praise and worship. And this is our last uh, week on that. Amen. And uh, we've covered so many areas about being thankful, about worship. And this week we're going we're gonna to go on, a, on a, an associated topic, which is joy. You'll find that praise and worship is associated with joy. It's very hard to praise and worship genuinely if you're not doing it with joy. So we could not conclude this whole study this month on praise and worship without seeing how joy comes into it. Isaiah 12, 3 says, Therefore, with joy shall he draw water out of the wells of salvation, because joy is linked with praise. I mean, yes, you can come in here and have a mean mug face and sing and lift up, but... If you're not going to do it with joy, you're just not, you're just going through the motion, right? And the Bible encourages us to have joy. So we're going to look at how joy plays in, in part, with that praise and with worship. Because it says, therefore, with joy shall he draw water out the wells of salvation. And we're going to look at how we can do that. Amen. Because, as I said this morning, joy is a a choice. And we're going to look at how joy differs from happiness. Now, joy encompasses happiness, but happiness is not quite the same thing as joy. Let's look at the biblical definition of joy, and there's several related words, but it means gladness, uh, exaltation, rejoicing. That's the the simplest definition. There's there's so many more, and we're going to look at some of those. Did you come today with some gladness? Did you look forward to coming to church? Amen. Because if you didn't, you're not drawing from the wells of salvation with joy. Amen. Every every weekend, uh, you know, when my flesh may say, oh boy, I got to get up and I uh, got to do this. But you know, once I'm here, I just want to find joy. Hallelujah. In God's service. Amen. The dictionary definition of joy is a feeling of great pleasure and happiness. And they give lots of, of definitions. Uh, here's another one. A deep feeling of happiness and contentment. A state of being that goes beyond temporary pleasures and comes with a profound sense of fulfillment. That's beginning to show the light on the difference between joy and happiness. Because happiness uh, can uh, tends to depend on your present circumstances. But as I've pointed out before, you can have joy even though your circumstances have not changed. Because it, it's also to do with a future expectation. You know, I can be in a terrible situation now, but if someone tells me tomorrow something good is going to happen, I have an expect. I can start feeling joy even though my current circumstances have not changed. In fact, in, uh, in his writing to Timothy, he's, Paul says this, but godliness with contentment is great gain. So joy has aspects of contentment. Even though the present circumstances are not good, even though the present circumstances may be painful, you can still have joy. And the example I always give, it's, it's Friday, Friday at uh, 3.30. You're at work, but you start to get a little bit happy. You know why? <laughs> Weekend is coming up. And you start thinking ahead of what you're going to do and how you're going to relax and all of that. So your mood, your attitude changes, but your circumstance has not. You're still at work. You're still doing the same thing. It just shows you how your attitude can, can change depending on your inner state. 
You can have joy even in travail. And we're going to look at some of that as well. So it's an acceptance that God is ultimately in control. That's when you can have joy. Not that your present circumstances are great or wonderful, but that you still trust God that the weekend is coming. Or in Jesus' case, the resurrection is coming. Because the Bible says that who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Anyone enduring some crosses? Amen. Amen. Do you know you can still have joy? Because with each cross comes a resurrection morning. There will be a resurrection. There will be a day when the pain and the suffering is over. Let's look at some differences between happiness and joy. Anyone have an idea? Tell me the difference between happiness and joy. No wrong answers. Not a trick question. Okay. Anyone else? Give Anyone want to give an example between happiness and joy? Brother John? See, happiness is a, can be a subset of joy. Usually when you have joy, you're also happy. You're also happy. So, But joy is much bigger. And although we focus on happiness, the world seeks what? Happiness. Everybody just wants to be happy. That's what the world seeks after. Pleasure that brings happiness. But there is something that is, makes joy bigger. And you're going to, I don't want to spoil it, but I want to show you something. We'll get there. I don't want to give it away before we get there. Here's another, here's another definition of joy. The settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life. The quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right. Can you have that? That's what I truly believe. Right now I may be going through some things. Things may look uh, difficult. I'm, I'm, my problem right now is time. My problem is, how can I fit everything I need to do and what I've got to do in the time? And it seems impossible. And then there's always new things coming up that want to take away my time. And uh, But still, I have an expectation that there's coming a time soon when I'll have some more time. See, everything is going to be all right. And, a, and the determined choice, choice to praise him in all things. Amen. See, it's a choice to worship. It's a choice to praise him. And when you have that trust in God, that even though the present things are not going according to the way you like. See, happiness, as he said, really people only get happy when things are good. But you can have joy when things are not necessarily good. Happiness is often dependent on external circumstances. That's what I said. But you can have joy change when the external circumstances have not changed because it's an expectation. It's an ex- expectation. As soon as my dad said, yes, I was going to get a train set for Christmas, my attitude changed. Didn't have the train set, but I had that expectation. Okay, you start counting off the days. You start searching the house. Where could they have hidden that stuff? Uh, has it come yet? You know, you have that expectation. Do you have any, is there anything good coming in your life in the next month? 
you do need that. You do need that. That's how we can get through if you have an expectation. The Bible says Jesus endured the cross for the joy. He had an expectation. He knew it was going to not be permanent. I preached the other few Sundays ago about seasons. And the one thing about seasons is that they're not permanent. You will get through it. So whatever you're going through, you can still have an expectation. You can still have joy if you believe that some good things are going to happen. See, uh, it says happiness is often dependent on external circumstances and is more fleeting. Therefore, as soon as your circumstance changes, good, your mood changes and you go all, you know, depressed. Um, it is the feeling of pleasure or satisfaction that arises from achieving a goal, receiving good news or experiencing something positive. Happiness can be more surface level then because it depends on what's happening, varying depending on the ups and downs of life. But joy, on the other hand, is deeper and more lasting sense of contentment. And that's why you need it to be able to give true praise. It transcends circumstances. It comes from within and is not solely reliant on external factors. Joy is often associated with a sense of gratitude. You can be grateful for what God has done. Even if when you're going through right now is not the, the best. You can look back at God's deliverance and his, and his goodness. See, um, I had to go out to Rochester, New York on short notice. And I really wasn't looking forward. And I thought, you know, what happened last time I was going to get stuck out there. And uh, my boss even said, okay, well, uh, why don't you stay till Monday? But I refused to do that. So I said to, to my friend, listen, I'm coming home Saturday. You come out here. I just did it, so we'll see. <laughs> you know what? Uh, any change in circumstance for me can only get better. I am grateful for God's mercy and his grace. Amen. When I went to the airport, they said your plane is delayed, and it was the last one out. So I, I knew how that worked. So I said, okay. I started coming up with contingency plans. I said, I need to be in Milwaukee before 9 o'clock. And so she, she, she booked me on, a, on another flight early in the morning, but thanks be to God that didn't happen. I am grateful for God's mercy and his grace. You know what? I see Resurrection Day coming. You may be going through it now, but Resurrection Day is coming. Joy is often associated with a sense of gratitude, peace. Because when you know something good is going to happen, you can have peace even though everything crazy is going wrong, it's going to work out. It's going to work out. It's going to work out. See, it, can, it says here it can coexist even with challenging situations and can be cultivated as an enduring state of being. I happened to, I happened, they, they bumped me up because the plane was a little bit empty, so I was, I was in first class. And uh, <laughs> this lady came and sat beside me and... Uh, she started to talk to me. I don't know why she started to talk to me. She was on her way back from a, a funeral. And she pulled out the funeral, showed me this picture of this young man. He probably was in his 30s with his family. And, I, and she started to tell me how, how sad she was that this close friend of hers had died. And I got to hear the story. And it was overdose of, of fentanyl. And I started to talk to her and let her know that, you know, it's not hopeless. That you don't have to turn to 
the drugs and all of that. And, you know, I, don't, I didn't even get to really know her name, but I tried to encourage her. You see, God knows how to make circumstances that we don't understand bear fruit. Amen. So even in challenging circumstances, it can be cultivated. You can decide to have joy if you have trust. If you understand that it's a season and good things are going to happen. So there is a connection, as I said, between joy and praise. Let's look at this. Psalm 42, verse 4. The psalmist says, when I remember these things, you're in trouble right now, but you remember the past. I pour out my soul in me, for I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise, with a multitude that kept the holy day. He's talking about coming to church. And even though you may be going some things, you can, you can have a voice of joy and of worship. Amen. As this definition says, the state of happiness, which is not based on your circumstances. So you know what that means? Every single one of us can have joy. We may not all be happy because we may not have no money or there may be other things, but you can still have joy because your season is only temporary. Your season is only temporary. And joy is the only way you can give true praise. Joy is the only way you're going to give true praise. I mean, otherwise you're just going through the motions. pastor told me to raise my hand. (laughs) But you know what? If you do it and you keep doing it and you open your heart, the Holy Spirit will stir something up. And you can start to experience the joy of the Lord. Let's look at another verse. It's Psalms 43, verse 4. This is one of David's secret weapons because he was joyful in his praise. Then will I go unto the altar of God, unto God my exceeding joy. Yea, upon the harp will I praise him. I told you that joy and praise go together. Oh God, my God. Jeremiah 33, 9 says, And it shall be to me a name of joy, a praise, and an honor before all the nations of the earth, earth, which shall hear all the good that I do unto them. And they shall fear and tremble for all the goodness and for all the prosperity that I procure unto it. And this is what David's conclusion was. Sorry, Nehemiah. His joy is our strength. Did you hear what I say? The joy of the Lord is your strength. You can't have strength unless you have the joy of the Lord. Because otherwise it's hard to serve. But if you do it joyfully, if you look forward to whatever you can do for God because he's done so much, it is your strength. That scripture says the joy of the Lord is your strength. So joy and praise together, the praise is unto him and the joy that comes from within gives us strength. Amen. And that's why a lot of us are not as strong as we want to be, because we are looking at our circumstances. If you look at your circumstances, most time it will depress you. It will take away that joy. What you have to do as the scripture is looking unto Jesus. As the song says, look full into his wonderful face. I can't remember, the, but the, and the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. See, when we look at Jesus, his light will blind out our circumstances. As long as Peter was looking at Jesus, although the storm hadn't changed, 
You know, Jesus could have just stopped the storm. That was one way he could have did it, but he didn't do that. He said, come to me during the storm. You get out, the, make it worse. Get out your nice boat and start walking on the water in the storm. And the key is you can do it if you're looking at Jesus. Because as the song says, if you're looking at, keep your eyes upon Jesus. Look what's in his wonderful face. And the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. When we keep our eyes on Jesus, you can have joy because he will blind out the circumstances. He will blind out the circumstances. We're going to look at this story in the Old Testament. They had come back from Babylon. They had been released, but the the temple had been destroyed. The city had been laid waste. And you know the story. They started a program to build the wall and to start building the temple. And for so many years, there had been no real teaching. They, They had lost the gift that God had given them, the special commandments, the the covenant that God had made. But they found the book of the law in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 1. And all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street that was before the water gate. And they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both of men and women, and all that could hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. So you know that that is Feast of Trumpets, right? There's only one feast that's on the first day of the seventh month, the Feast of Trumpets. And for the first time in decades, the law was read to them. And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate. From the morning until midday, before the men and the women. See, we think we have church long. You should go to church in the olden days. It was from nine till, till you had about an hour and then you came back at six and you went till the Lord said stop. (laughs) I can remember leaving church 1130 at night on a Sunday. We think, you know, maybe five hours on a Sunday is too much. They read from morning until midday before the men and women and those that could understand that the ears of the people were attentive unto the book of the Lord. This is the first time that the covenant that had been given down on Mount Sinai had been read to all the people in decades because they had been captive. And they started to hear all the things that God had commanded them to do. And that they hadn't been doing. So they read in the book in the law of God distinctly. And gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. And Nehemiah, which is, which is Tershatha, and Ezra the priest, the scribe, and the Levites that taught the people, said unto all the people, This day is holy unto the Lord for your, for your God. Mourn not, nor weep. You know why they were in sadness and godly sorrow because they realized how far they had gone from keeping God's covenant. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Verse 10, then he said unto them, go your way, eat the fat and drink the sweet and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. 
For this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be ye sorry. And this is where the scripture comes from. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. He told them, listen, I know we haven't been doing right for all these years, but look what God has done. He's released us from the captivity of the Babylonians. He's let us come back and rebuild. And this is the first day, the Feast of Trumpets. This is the where the blowing of the horns. You need to rejoice and be glad. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. So we have to find joy even in our circumstance. Even when they came back and they saw the devastation. Then they found out how much they had not even been keeping to God's law. And at first they were very mournful. But Ezra and Nehemiah told them, the Lord wants you to rejoice. 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 Because this gives the devil a black eye. In fact, in fact, your praise and your joy is how we fight. Amen. This is how we fight. Amen. You can't fight with your fist, but you can fight with your praise. And you can fight with your worship. And you can fight in having joy in the Lord. See, when we, when we do that, Satan doesn't know what to do. Because there's nothing more he can do. You're already in circumstances that should bring you, you know, tribulation. But when you have joy, even in that. And if you remember the very first week, we talked about how Paul and Silas had been beaten. They had been put in stocks so they couldn't move. They'd been put in the lowest part of the dungeon. It, it was dark. It was damp. It was probably, they had critters running around. It wasn't a pleasant place. Yet the Bible says at midnight, you know what that's telling us? At the darkest part of the night, when the circumstances look hopeless, when you can't see in front of you, that's when they started singing. Isn't that amazing? There must have been a joy and an expectation that no matter what, if they kill us, all that means is we go to heaven. You know, in that game Monopoly, you can land on a square and it goes, go directly to jail. We've landed on the square that says that worst case, you go to heaven. You kill me, I go to heaven. That's all that happens. I don't, I don't go to jail. I do not pass go. I just go to heaven. So even in our circumstances, we can worship, we can praise God. And the Bible tells us that it's to do it with a joyful noise. I can't sing, so anytime I try, it's got to be a joyful noise. <laughs> Psalm 66, verse 1, what does it say? Read it with me. Make a joyful noise unto God, all he lands. We are commanded in our praise and worship to make it joyful. Amen. We're not, we're not at a funeral. We're not here to sing abide with me. Though he does abide with us, make a joyful noise unto God, all ye lands. Amen. Sing forth the honor of his name. I told you the two things are associated. Verse 2 says, make his praise glorious. You can't worship God unless you're going to make the praise glorious. With, with joy shall we draw from the wells of salvation. And then it goes on to tell of all the things he had done, how he turned the sea into dry land. They went through the flood on foot. Their, 
There did we rejoice in him. He ruleth by his power forever. His eyes behold the nations. Let not the rebellious exalt themselves. Verse 8. O bless our God, ye people, and make the voice of his praise be heard. And how do you do that? Joyfully. Joyfully. I'm sure that the people around here on a Sunday know that we're here because we're going to make some noise. You know, you can tell sometimes the kind of noise what's going on. You can tell when it's a riot because there's all kinds of shouting. And, but when it's joy, you hear some singing. Amen. You hear some singing with that. We are commanded to praise God joyfully. Amen. Not with fear. Not with doubt. Not with um, pulling back. Make a joyful noise unto God, all ye lands. Sing forth the honor of his name. Make his praise glorious. We do that when we do it joyfully. When we don't uh, praise him joyfully, we're not making his name glorious. We're not making his praise glorious. And the way to do it, as I've said, is just think of past victories. As I've said so many times, that's how David was able to face, face Goliath. He said, he helped me kill a bear, helped me kill a lion. So what are you? Oh, uncircumcised Philistine. You got to have some victories to look forward to. All I have to do is think of the times God did some amazing things. Amazing things. For me anyway, I don't know about you, I got my testimony. He parted the Red Sea of finances that looked like it was going to drown us and let us walk over on dry land. As the song, he made a way when there seemed to be no way. I am going to be joyful. Amen. Amen. When I was sitting in the airport and I was thinking, I wonder if this plane's going to be canceled. Because what they do is they keep saying it's delayed. And then they keep putting back the time. And then finally they tell you it's canceled. So I said, okay, I'm going to look up. I'm going to do a flight tracker, see where this plane is. And I found out it was in the air. So I said, okay, well, it's coming. And immediately my spirit changed. I'm getting home tonight. I'm going to be in church tomorrow. You see, I was still at the airport, but my expectation changed. Because I knew I could see, I looked it up where the plane was, and it was already in the air. So it was coming to pick me up. God is coming to pick you up. The Bible says we're going to meet him in the air. Satan may have tried to delay the plane, but they can't delay Jesus. The Bible says for with a shout and with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, he's coming. And he, when, he's, when your name is called up, you're going up. Amen. You know how they board these planes. They, they have an order to do it. First class is first. So I just waltzed in there. So, See, God is a good God. Amen. Oh, bless our God, ye people, and make the voice of his praise glorious. Amen. Let's look at some more Psalms because you'll find that in the Psalms there's praise, there's worship, and it's done with joy. You got to have joy in it. Amen. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord all evening. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. It's almost a duplicate of the other psalm. This is Psalms 100 and verse starting at 1. This is different. But again, David repeats the same theme. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. 
come before his presence with singing. Know ye the Lord, he is God. We're not worshiping some mini deity. We're not worshiping some idol, some wood. We're worshiping the King of kings and Lord of lords. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Again, it says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good and his mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth to all generations. Now, fruits of the spirit. Why is happiness not a fruit of the spirit? Do you see what I'm saying? We usually think of happiness as being a bigger thing than joy. But actually, happiness you won't find in the list of the fruit of the Spirit. In fact, to show you, what's the first fruit of the Spirit? And then what's the second one? Do you see? It's the second fruit of the Spirit after love. God puts it number two. Because without it, you have no strength. Without it, your your worship is kind of hollow. Amen. And so after love, it's the second one. Thessalonians 1, 6, And he became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction. That when, they, when he preached to them, they were, some of them were slaves. Some of them were, were under the Roman oppression. He said, you received the word during your circumstance of trouble. But you received with joy of the Holy Ghost. Why? Because joy is a fruit of the Spirit. When you get the Holy Ghost, you've got to have some joy. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to be on the mountain 24-7, 365 days a week. But there's going to be times when you come out the valley, amen, and you can have some joy just by looking where God took you from. Amen? Yea, though I walk through the valley the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. That was a declaration. That was a declaration. I will because thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You can have joy even in the valley of the shadow of death. Here, Paul is saying that you receive the Holy Spirit during your affliction and you did it with joy because when the Holy Ghost came, you had an expectation. No matter where you were, that's why Paul said, I've learned that when whatever state I find myself, there to be what? Content. How can you have joy in that? You can because it's not permanent. There is coming a day. There is coming deliverance. The season will change. You know, it seems in, 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 uh, in Wisconsin, the season for summer seems to be getting short. I'm sure we're nice and hot now, but... Come September, you start to see them leaves start to change. And before you know it, uh-oh, winter is coming. And you keep thinking, I hope it's a mild winter. I hate snow and I hate ice. But we can have joy because even so, that season is going to change. He's saying to the Thessalonians, so that you were, you were ex an example. Because nobody could say, well, uh, they have joy because God is blessing them and everything is great. He said to the Thessalonian church, you received this joy during your affliction. 
And so you were an example, verse 7, to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. I tell you right now, there are Christians in other countries that are in jail. Uh, I keep up with that Indian pastor, and he was sending me how there's such a great persecution in the Indian city of Manipur, and hundreds of Christians and, and churches were being destroyed and burnt and killed and murdered. And yet their faith has not failed. They have trusted in God. They're still worshiping despite the persecution. This was happening to the Thessalonian church. And Paul said, so you were an example to all those that believe. That shows you you can have joy even in affliction. Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is first love, second fruit is joy. He put it number two out of all of the fruits of the Spirit. Of course, then comes peace because if you trust God, you'll have a peace that passes human understanding. Because people will look at you and can't understand how come you're so calm? How come you're so collected? How can you be so cool and look what's happening? Job's wife said, why don't you just curse God and die? <laughs> Your circumstance is hopeless. There is no hope. He said, you speak like a foolish woman. <laughs> you, you, you speak like a foolish woman. Naked I came and naked I shall go. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. I mean, that's right. He, he kept his integrity. He wasn't going to let circumstances change his integrity. But the fruit of the Spirit is first love. And when, you, when, you have, when you're in love, you have some joy. You're looking forward to talking to that person, being with that person. You don't even know what you're talking about. It makes no sense. You spend hours on the phone with that person talking about what? <laughs> I don't know. I can't remember what I talked about, but I knew it was a, a lot of hours. How are you doing? My wife was driving back. She was supposed to come back Friday, but because of the thunderstorm, she, I, she decided to stay because I thought it was going to be too bad. So as she was driving back yesterday, I probably called her about every hour. How how you doing? You okay? <laughs> See, when you have love, then you will have joy. If you don't have love, it's very hard to have joy. You have to be in love with God. How do you fall in love with God? Well, first you, you, you understand his characteristics. You understand who he is. Then you understand what he has done for you. You understand what he has showed you. My dad used to say that love wins love. You know, you just keep on. Uh, my wife played hard to get. She gave me a very hard time. But I didn't give up. I just kept on being a nuisance. <laughs> being at the certain places where I know she was going to be, I just kept on turning up. Even if she was very aloof and didn't give me the time of day. See, because you gotta, you go after this thing with persistence. See, after love, you get joy. And then when you have joy, you will also have peace. Because you trust God. And then in your circumstance, long-suffering. And you'll approach people with gentleness and goodness and then faith. Amen. Now, let's just... Delve into that a little bit deeper. First Peter 4.3. And this is a hard one. Rejoice 
Inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering. See, the world, Jesus said the world is not going to love you. When you start doing things different from them and not partaking in what they're doing, they're going to look at, first they're going to look at you like, who do you think you are? You're trying to be some goody person, goody two-shoes. Listen, be ye, as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, he may be glad also with what? Exceeding joy. The Bible says if we suffer with him, we shall also reign with him. That should give you joy. That's an expectation. It's Friday at 3 o'clock. It actually is Friday at 3 o'clock as far as God's timeline. Our weekend, our resurrection is not too far away. 1 Peter 1.6 says, Wherein he greatly rejoiced, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. He's saying he understands we're flesh and we probably can't be in joy 24-7 because we're human. Let's be real. He says, but don't stay in that situation. Start to think, meditate upon the goodness of God. Look at what he's done for you in the past. And that will pull you out of that depression. Come to church, lift up your hands, start worshiping, giving him thanks. Lift up his name. Wherein he greatly rejoiced, though now for a season. Remember, I said it's just a season. If need be, you are in heaviness. Through manifold, the many tests and trials you're going through. Yes, they will wear you down sometimes. In fact, in Revelations, the Bible says that he would wear the patience of the saints. That's what he does. He, he may not get you with one big thing. Just keep piling on stuff. Just one thing after another, piling on stuff. Till you're just so weary and just, oh, I'm so tired. I want to give up. That's his goal. That's his plan. To wear you down. To get you depressed. To make you give up. Amen? But rejoice in that you are part. You can even find rejoice. What, what Peter is saying is, the fact that you're going through sufferings like, like Christ should make you rejoice because he was our forerunner. He is the master. And if we're going through, that means we're following him. That means we're, we're picking up our cross. We're not putting it down. We're picking it up. And we're following the master. We're not going backwards. Now, all of that being said, there is coming a day when our rejoicing shall be fulfilled, when our expectation shall be met. Amen? And I, I turn to the book of Revelation. Now, you can do a, a, a study on the word joy and rejoicing, and you'll find the first time in the, in the book of, um, of the Bible, I think it's uh, to do with, with Judah, who was named Praise, and you'll, you'll, you'll see the, the connection between uh, praise and joy. And you can go all the way to the last time in the book of Revelation where it speaks about joy and rejoicing. But the one that gets me is when the rapture happens. Now, if you're not going to be happy then, I don't know what. In fact, if I start thinking about it, start thinking about it. And I start thinking about all the things I won't have to do when Jesus comes. <laughs> I won't have to be pastor anymore. <laughs> I, I don't mean that in a negative way. <laughs> but I want to take my little two talents and says, Lord, you gave me one talent and here is two. And I want to hear him say, well done. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. 
I want to be able to present him a, 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 a doubling of whatever he gave me. I want to be able to him to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. See, if I start thinking about that, I, I start to have joy right now. I want to be able to stand before him and say, I did my best, Lord. I tried my hardest, Lord. I want to be able to stand before him. The Bible says, for we must all appear at the judgment seat of throne of Christ. And that's not a condemnation judgment, but it's a reward ceremony. It's a reward ceremony. God is going to hand out some rewards. There's going to be a prize giving. There's going to be an honor ceremony. And the greatest honor ceremony is going to happen when the rapture comes. Revelation 12.10 says, And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now. Let's say now. now. Say it like you mean it. Now. now. There's coming a day when the angel says, Now has come salvation. And strength. Remember, joy is associated with strength. And the kingdom of our God. And the power of his Christ. Why? For that Sluto devil, <laughs> which accused them before our God day and night, he gets thrown out. He gets cast down. And verse 11 is what I said when you were testifying, and he overcame, and they overcame him. How? By the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And it's not just even speaking about uh, what we say, it's how we live. Your life is a testimony. Your joy in suffering is a testimony. As Paul, as Peter, sorry, Paul was talking to Thessalonians, the fact that you had joy in affliction is an example, is a testimony to everyone else in the area because they know what you're going through and yet you're faithful. You haven't given up. Now verse 12, look at verse 12, what it says? Therefore, rejoice. Therefore, rejoice. Now, where, where is he saying to rejoice? Therefore, rejoice, he heavens. Why? Why is he saying heavens and not earth? Because we are up there. There won't be too much rejoicing on earth at that point. But he says, therefore, rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil has come down. Unto you having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. His season of ruling will be three and a half years left, that's all. And then it will be up. That time we're up there. It says now has come salvation. Therefore we're going to rejoice. I think it's going to be days before the rejoicing in heaven stops. Think about it. You find yourself in heaven. Knowing everything you have been through. And knowing that you have made it. Won't that be something? Won't that be something? Therefore rejoice. But you know what? Because I have an expectation. The weekend is coming. That the rapture is coming. I can start rejoicing now. Amen. Many years ago. Um. I think it was Andre Crouch wrote that song, It Won't Be Long. And the other one, he was soon and very soon, we're going to see the king. 
we're going to see the king. Now, the Bible says that a day is as a thousand years to the Lord, but we're, we're almost on the close of that second thousand years. That scripture in Revelation 12.10 is going to be fulfilled. Now is come salvation. Verse 12 says, Therefore rejoice. Rejoice ye heavens and he that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. For the devil is come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. You know what? I'm going to start the party early. <laughs> I'm going to start the party early. Let's start the party early today. Amen. Let's start thanking God that we are saved by faith. Let's be an example in Milwaukee, just as the Thessalonians one. Even though we're going through suffering, we're still going to rejoice. We're still going to thank God. Amen. Because we receive and we're bearing the fruit of the Spirit, which is number two, love, joy, peace. Amen. That's what we want to do. Amen. So 1 Thessalonians 2.19, for what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? This is what our real uh, weekend is what we're rejoicing. Are not even ye in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? Amen. That's why we can rejoice because we are a chosen generation, a peculiar people. Amen. That we should show forth the praises. Amen. We have been called to show forth the praises now. As we've seen in, the, in studying this topic through this month, and we started off with them walking around Jericho, and they shouted, of course, before the walls came down. They shouted, not after, I'm sure they shouted after too, but they shouted before the walls came down. I can imagine a lot of them saying, I don't know what Joshua's doing because we've been walking around this wall every day. What is he expecting to happen? This is not how you fight by walking around the wall. Just do it. Be obedient. Right? When we're obedient to the Lord, we may not understand it right now. It may not make any sense. But once we're obedient, and then on the seventh day, they, we got to do what? We got to walk around this city seven times? How are we going to fight? How are we going to do this? We'll be so tired and worn out if we have to walk around seven times. That's what... That's what he said. That's what Joshua said. That's what we got to do. Joshua means the Lord is saves. Yeshua. He shall save. In fact, God made the model of how it worked. And so after the seventh time, they were to give a shout. Amen. You may have been walking around your city of Jericho now for what seems like ages. What is our hope, the scripture said? Well, our hope or joy, or crown of rejoicing, are not even in the presence, aren't you, aren't you going to be in the presence of the Lord at his coming? That's why we should have joy. We are going to start the party early. Amen. We're going to start the party early. Amen. I had joy because I knew I was coming home. Even though the weather and everything said the flight was delayed and it was a bit of a rough flight, you know, it, it was shaking up and down. Uh, I had joy because I was coming home. I want to have joy even in my affliction, even in my circumstance, because that is where true praise can come from. This is where true praise can come from, when we have joy. Amen. 
We're going to have a, a, a discussion time a little bit longer than usual, so let's stand, amen, as we conclude this month of studying on praise and worship, and this week on how it's related to joy. Amen. And we want to start the party early in our second service. Amen. Amen. Because if we do that, enter his gates with praise. Amen. 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 And with thanksgiving, God is going to look down upon us and he's going to say, this is my beloved son or daughter in whom I am well pleased because he seeketh true worshipers. Hallelujah. You could bow your hearts with me. Father, we thank you this morning for your goodness and your grace. And your love, hallelujah, that you have poured out without measure upon us. Help us, Lord, to bear the fruit of first love and then joy. Hallelujah. As we look forward to the expectation of your coming, Lord, we give you the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's do give God some praise and worship.